Hey everyone, James Lee here and welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. Today we have an extra special episode of In The Loop. Jess and I are pumped to welcome three awesome guests who are going to talk to us about their artistic journeys. Let's get started and roll that intro. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. All right, welcome back. As we all know, you know, artistic journeys are, of course, very personal. But generally speaking, we could say artistic journeys about how an artist explores and transforms their ideas. Often as a result, their visual form will be changed or influenced as a result of those experiences. And they might explore new ideas, new subjects, new mediums. So with that, let's welcome three amazing photographers for today. In the loop, we're going to have Alex Yar, Jamie Marcellus, and Ted Smith all the way from the UK. So Alex, welcome back to the podcast. So I know you have, in our recent chats, have told me that uh, your uh, photographic journey has taken some twists into some new mediums. Um, so why don't you start off by uh, telling us a little bit about the very beginning of your journey and where you are today? Yeah, definitely. So I started probably about six years ago when I first picked up a film camera and, you know, was absolutely consumed by it for years. Um, I was on the podcast, I think about two years ago and was very much still in the weeds at that time. Um, since then, I, you know, have planned out and shot a, a series that I submitted to uh, an organization called Make Room that was part of a public installation, um, like a group exhibition in Toronto, um, which was a massive accomplishment for me in my artistic journey. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the, the last big thing I did in photography. Um, in the last year, I ended up starting a photography club in Toronto. So about two years ago, I came out um, as queer and I started a queer photography club um, just as a means of bringing together um, more marginalized folks and having that space for people to connect and be creative together. Um, but I feel like it might have been kind of a last ditch effort to try and breathe a little bit more passion into my photography because I've since gotten into ceramics. Um, so definitely a bit of a turn, um, but I feel like I, I love it for a lot of the same reasons that I do um, or, or did love photography. It's that manual process, the delayed gratification, the uncertainty of, of how things are going to turn out. Um, you know, the first class I ever took, I lost pretty much all of my work because the kiln had a, a malfunction and everything was destroyed inside. So um, it's, it's that same appeal to me, um, just being able to put in the time and iterate, um, create something and, and hope for the best. Interesting. So ceramics is kind of like, um, it can be just like developing your first roll of film when you put the fixer in before the developer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really interesting. So um, would you say that you're like making a departure from photography or is this just more of an addition to your kind of artistic profile? I'm hesitant to say departure. Um, that's definitely how it's been trending. Um, 
I I've already sold one of my cameras to a dear friend. I had only really used it for one project, so it was collecting dust and it's in a much more loving home now. Um, and I don't plan on getting rid of all of my gear, at least not yet. Um, but yeah, for now it's, it's not kind of causing that same spark for me mm -hmm. and it's really bittersweet. Um, I feel like I've been grieving friendships that I found in the film community, um, have been just stepped away from it in such a big way. There was just real genuine friendships that feels a bit weird to say about people that you've never met face to face or even like talk to on the phone, but yeah, they were genuine friendships that now I've been so disconnected from, which is, is definitely a loss. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So would, do you, would you be able to kind of say pin that on a series event of events or was it just kind of like a culmination of like different things or was there like a specific event that you could pinpoint that kind of said, Hey, you know what, I, I need to try something new or, you know, I need a break from the community or something like that, or it was just kind of a natural progression. I think it was a, a natural progression. Um, the series that I had submitted to um, make room for the, the installation mm -hmm. was about a, an abusive relationship that I was in. And I think that was a big turning point for me in many aspects of my life. Um, kind of that was the, the turning point before coming out. That was a huge period of like kind of post-traumatic growth and just honestly was, was too tired for a long time to really devote much of myself to anything beyond what was essential. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was trying not to push myself back into photography. Um, and the times I did, I found myself resenting it. So yeah, I, I feel like it has been just a, a gradual shift and it's gotten to be a bit bigger. Um, yeah, I'm just hopeful that it'll come back one day, but for the time being, just happy to explore different mediums and yeah, whatever kind of brings me joy. I so, think that's the beauty of art in general, like whether you're a photographer, or ceramic artist, a painter, anything, is that it can kind of ebb and flow through your life, you know, in different stages. So certain things might help you to connect with the world that you need to at that time to help you deal with things, process traumas, uh, or even just go through happy events. And then you might end up turning to something else to help you through something else at that point. And you can kind of, you, you can always come back to it. You can always leave it forever. You can find new things or try other things. And I think that the great thing too, just to bring it a little bit back to the friendships is if they're truly friends, then they're always there, whether you're still doing photography or not. So I think that that's probably one of my favorite parts about art. I'm not sure if you're starting to find that as well as you're transitioning through different things also. Yeah, yeah I would absolutely agree. One in, in the fact that it can be so powerful in terms of processing emotion and communicating that to other people. But yeah, just to be able to flow through different mediums and whatever calls to you and you're inspired by, it's important to kind of follow that, that lead. Like I used to be a, a cake decorator. I used to do custom cake. So I almost feel like I've come back to that a little bit with ceramics and working with my hands. Um, I feel like wheel throwing has come quite naturally to me because it feels like working with fondant in a way that it's just, just a call back to those days. So it's interesting how it almost has come full circle. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> that is really cool, actually. Yeah, and it seems like um, 
uh, like with your project, like, you know, focusing on like, you know, dealing or processing in some way, um, the relationship that, um, you know, your, the abusive relationship that you were in, it almost seems like photography, photography for you was almost cathartic in a way, um, that, you know, you kind of were able to, uh, channel those emotions and the feelings of going through that experience and, uh, you know, putting that message out there and almost, it seems, I don't, I mean, I'm, I might be putting words in your mouth, but, um, did that kind of help you overcome like anything, um, you know, that you were kind of hanging on to that was, you know, holding you back either personally or artistically at all? Um, it was definitely cathartic. Um, I think by the time the installation, um, kind of reached the public eye. I had processed enough of it, but it was definitely that moment of closing the chapter, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that time had passed because in publishing the series, I had a massive response. It was honestly really overwhelming how many people, um, you know, maybe that I'd grown up with or um, just within the community or complete strangers that had come across the series reaching out and telling me their stories and I'm going to get emotional. Um, if you're, if it's, it's not art, if you're not going to cry a little bit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was amazing to be able to share my experience and know that I wasn't alone in it and other people felt seen by it and supported by it was huge um it was it was a lot to carry by hearing all those stories but I'm so grateful that people trusted me with that um yeah and it was a an old friend of mine that I grew up with that was the subject of the shoot um and she resonated with the the subject matter as well and you know it was initially supposed to be self-portraits but once I had planned one of the shots where you know she's wrapped head to toe in bubble wrap I realized it's not exactly possible um to, to do that as a self-portrait um at least not in any efficient way um so I had shelved it not thinking it would ever come to to fruition and we had reconnected and she was willing to to be a subject and I knew she was the person that would understand the gravity of of what we were doing so it doesn't even really feel like my product it was ours and yeah, it just kind of belongs to whoever wants to to be a part of it at this point. That's incredible. Like that's, that's really powerful. And I think that it's really cool that it actually became more of a collaboration, uh, especially seeing as so many people reached out to you as well with their own stories and everything, which does typically happen when women go through traumatic events, uh, especially uh, an abusive relationship. You know, a lot of us can resonate in, on some level with that. So for sure, getting that outpouring of support, love and people's stories can make it difficult for you to process. So maybe, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, but maybe the fact that it was a collaboration also kind of removes you in a sense from that to help you process all of those emotions. And that's also another really great thing about art that it allows gives you space to, to deal with things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a, a collaboration. Um, kind of the shot list evolved once she had become involved in it. Her name's Amanda. Um, she had been married to uh, her abuser and I was lucky enough to have not gone down that road um, in my relationship, but that's kind of where the, the wedding dress uh, portion of the shoot came from. So yeah, it, it just kind of grew beyond what I had even imagined. 
Yeah, you know, it was really um, interesting. John and John Meadows and I uh, went down and, and and actually met you for a few minutes at, at the installation, which was actually remarkable and uh, really cool to see. I imagine for you, really cool to see your work up there in, in bright lights, um, right in the middle of the city, um, you know, which I think actually, uh, you know, it resonates with me because... Um, I always feel like, you know, women that are trapped in these abusive relationships need other women who have gone through the same thing to share their story. Just to, you know, even if it's the smallest amount of inspiration for someone else who's going through, you know, any degree of struggle uh, in that relationship that, you know what, this person came out on the other side and is, is a better person for it. Um, that, you know, you, you're not stuck. You don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to continue along this path. There are ways off of this path and, and there are people that are willing to help you and people that have a lot of the same, you know, similar experiences and common ground and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think as artists, we owe, we owe it to um, the world to share our work um, and, and, and do it unreservedly, you know, like just put it out there and, you know, some people are going to hate it and some people are, you know, they're going to love it. And you know what, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, it, it's our own process as artists and things like that. You know, one interesting thing, I know you, you know, you recently came out, which is amazing. So thank you for doing that. I think when, when, when people come out and truly share who they are, uh, it makes the world a way more interesting place. Um, did, did your photography or your artistic pursuits have any influence on that? Um, so first of all, I want to circle back to your first point, just about, you know, artists sharing our stories. Um, and I just want to take that one step further and say, as humans, I think that's kind of our duty, regardless of the kind of medium of our storytelling, to share that experience and break down these walls and this shame, because I think that's something that really is something that can take hold in leaving a relationship like that, thinking like, I would never fall for the manipulation or this or that. And it's very humbling to know that, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's important to just keep sharing with each other and kind of building that community. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of coming out, um, I don't, I don't know that my art really played a part in that, to be honest. Um, that was just kind of a, a period of time where I was really looking inwardly, um, and now I've been kind of seeking out a lot more like queer creators and photographers and just seeing that representation, which has been really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. I imagine it must be, you know, quite freeing to be able to just kind of be cool with who you are. You know, I, I don't I, I don't have, you know, I, you know, I guess I've never you know, had to come out or anything like that. Um, I know lots of people in the queer community and you know, I've often asked them, you know, what, what is it like, you know, not being able to share who you truly are. And, you know, I've had heard lots of different stories and um, all of them remarkable and, you know, different. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, from a distance, I'm super happy for you. And uh, um, you know, I hope you do continue with the queer photography club and, or, or maybe it'll become the queer artist club. You never know. Right. Um, you know, you can uh, have lots of different mediums in there and that sort of thing. So that's, that's really cool. So what's next for you? Um, 
want to just keep working on my my ceramics um forever on a quest to you know make the perfect coffee mug um <laughs> right now trying to do some glaze tests for um, a set of bowls i want some serving ware that matches my store-bought plates um but yeah that's pretty much just all all that's on the horizon creatively just playing and, and learning excellent and are you posting any of your work on social still or I haven't been. I, I'm a bit behind on uh, the upkeep of my Instagram for sure, but yeah, hoping to to share some pieces soon. And if we want to see some of your, I guess, um, legacy work and your new upcoming work, where can we find you? Um, I have kind of sunsetted my website. So right now, um, just on Instagram at alex.yar. Awesome. And that's J-A-H-R for all of you. Correct. Yeah. Yes. It's not, it's an, and it's, and it's pronounced Yar, not Jar. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. And next up, we have kind of the king of the Toronto alt process scene, uh, who does some really super funky, cool, creative stuff um, with some, I guess, well, speaking about legacy, definitely some legacy techniques, uh, uh, with some modern twists in there. So, Mr. Jamie Marcellus. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Um, in terms of my background, I guess, uh, I, I, I'm new. I'm the new kid. <laughs> I, I started uh, in the film photography world in 2019. Um, so only a few years ago, just, just before COVID. Um, and COVID pushed me uh, I guess into the deep end and, uh, and, and push me down. Um, so I, I started, um, mainly just taking pictures while I was running. Um, that was, a uh, uh, something that I just did. And then that has over the last number of years just evolved into, um, more focusing on portrait photography. And because I'm always available, uh, it tends to be self-portrait, um, because the, the, mo the model in air quotes, um, is is always available and, and you can't uh, beat the fees either right what's that so yeah exactly it's free um <laughs> you know um so you have to get a bit creative in terms of setting up and things like that but uh but that's also part of the um part of the challenge i guess um and so along the way i've um i guess i've become a uh a fluttering butterfly i guess uh in terms of just trying different things so um, I am a wet plate artist. Uh, I have um, I've, I've talked to, about wet plate on the show before. Um, I uh, print in a dark room um, and then I just try different things. Um, I would say I'm not an expert in any one thing. In fact, I'm I'm amateur across the board. Uh, but but in that is uh, is a lot of the fun of experimentation. So I do. Um, uh as i said web plate i also do um lith printing um mordensage is a is a newer thing in the last six or eight months um and then i i've uh over the last uh year or so i've been uh, more influenced by the broader art world and so i've brought in uh painting and um destruction of work and just a whole whole mess a whole mess of things that, that's really interesting. So I guess very similar to Alex, um, you're, you kind of, you know, started using different mediums um, into your, mixing different mediums into your photography. So what, what kind of influenced you to do that? The painting seems really uh, 
really an interesting take. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, I don't know if there's one thing that pinned down, um, but I saw um, uh, back in the spring, I think it was in the spring, um, there was a Warhol exhibit at the AGO. Um, at Art Gallery of Ontario, and uh, we went down as a family, and it, it just struck me that um, you didn't have to necessarily stick to it, stick to one medium. I mean, I, I think um, Andy, you know, did a lot of um, screen printing, using using uh, photos as a base, then printing on, uh, then painting on top of it, and so that just um, opened my eyes a little bit in terms of creativity. And then since then I've gone, you know, much further down and, and as you start to understand some of the different artists, um, that have now, uh, come to influence some of the things that I do, you can also see that they dabbled in photography, either as a starting point for some of their work. Um, Francis Bacon is somebody who, who, um, I, I absolutely love his work and, um, and has been a big influence as, as of late. And um, he's got some amazing photos as well um, that tend to have some element of destruction. And so I, I think you sort of put that all in a blender and, and it, it just ends up coming out the other side in terms of um, finding something that's a little bit more freeing. Um, and I don't mean to suggest that just sticking in the film medium isn't, isn't freeing because I think there's lots of things that you can do. I think it's just uh, there can be a tendency, and, and I was guilty of this myself, of, of oh, it must be analog and therefore, whereas, um, you know, taking something like a magazine and, and ripping it up, um, um, a huge influence if, you, uh, if you're familiar with Frank Elkenfalls III, um, he, he has some just amazing things where he's mixing kind of scrapbooking and, and sort of everything. And um, anyway, I, th- I just think it's it's been interesting to play around with and um, you know, to me, this, this is play. And so I, I can, I can just sort of play and, and not be worried about fitting into a box necessarily. In fact, that's almost interesting that it doesn't fit into a box, at least to me. I was going to say like a lot of your work, I don't see it fitting into a box at all. Uh, (laughs) it's very different and that's, what's so amazing about it. Like, I, I find myself very inspired by a lot of your work. Like a lot of the self-portraits I started doing on Instax, uh, I was like, oh, I could take a page out of Jamie's book and do something like this. I'm not trying to copy you doing no, no, it no. in my own way, yeah. but you know, there's a lot there that I was like, okay, I can play around with things. Like I think I I I think that actually a lot of your work is why I play around more with self-portraits now than I ever used to. I would see people making amazing self-portrait work um but yours was I don't know maybe maybe because we'd met in real life or something I don't know what it was exactly but there was something that reached me and I was like okay I can start doing stuff like this too and uh, so I think that's really cool I I mean I think it's um I mean I mean I much prefer to work with a model but uh but you know like I said it's just it's just easier I I kind of can fit this in whenever I whenever I want to um but I I think it's interesting to uh not be constrained by you know um taking a picture and then scanning it and then you know tweaking in the lightroom and and posting it or even printing in darkroom and um like in you sometimes have these preconceived notions of what you're going into a particular photo or what you want to do um so i did something yesterday um i don't think i've 
posted it um, yet, but um, I've just been playing more recently about um, printing two pieces of work and or multiple pieces of work and tearing it and making something that's uh, one of a kind, but it's, you know, it's just, it's just a new thing. And so I made this piece yesterday where I went in with, okay, I'm going to do this, do this and tear it a particular way. And that's going to be the ending result. And as it came out, I was like, no, that's not going to work. I'm going to do something completely different. And, and so I think just having that openness and, um, and sort of flexibility into like, you know, not being afraid, I guess, to fail. Um, and, uh, cause definitely there's lots and lots of failures, especially if you've seen some of that, like I just, uh, last week tried out, um, uh, so I was doing some mordensage, which for people that don't know what mordensage is, it's basically, um, it's a process that was developed back, I think in the twenties, twenties or thirties. Um, but more recently in the eighties was really refined, um, to, to be this, uh, where it's basically printing us on, um, silver gelatin and then applying a chemical mixture that causes the silver gelatin to lift. And by doing so you can create, um, there's different ways it can create almost like a, um, almost like a solarization image reversal, or there's some amazing artists that are doing things with veiling and things like that. That is, uh, it, it's just outstanding. But I went down this rabbit hole of like, well, somebody can mordensage a negative. Why can't you do that with a negative? So you kind of do this research. I pulled out a bunch of old negatives, threw them in the tank to, and I destroyed so many. <laughs> um, but in doing so, it's like, oh, well, I figured out I could do this a little bit and that looks this way. And so then uh, yesterday I tried printing one of the negatives and it was a total disaster, but it's okay. Like in the end, so what? Um, it, it was a failure, but I figured out, well, that doesn't really work that way. And, and um, you know, I have to do it. it. It sort of thinks, it makes you think of a different way to work with it. So anyways, it's, I think it's just, for me, it's, and that's been the don't, I, somebody posted one day, like you should specialize on one particular thing. And I, I was like, I just, it's not interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and th that's nothing to say that, um, well, James and I at the, at the pre-call, pre we were talking about, a, a, a another photographer that, that we both know, and this person creates exceptional work. It is, they're a master and, and I, my hat's off to it, but that's just not me. That's just not what I want to do. Um, and so, you know, in the end, I think just like for Alex, it's, um, there's creative outlets and, and so, um, you know, the fact that you can use it in that way, I think is just interesting. Yeah. I think you bring up some really interesting points and I, I had never actually really thought about it. Like I, um, I do a lot of reading about sort of the artistic process and um, talk to a bunch of different artists. And um, I never really drew this conclusion until I was listening to what you were saying. So like, I think like, you know, when you're um, a painter or a sculptor or someone doing say ceramics or some, you know, like with a moldable medium per se, as opposed to like capturing something visually like photography, uh, a lot of the artists I talk to enter into what they call a flow state, which is kind of like they free their mind and they're just focused 
on that art. So like, you know, it's like a blend of intellectual, emotional and physical connection to the art and there's no boundaries to it. But then you kind of think about sort of traditional photography, like my, the way my mind works when it comes to photography anyway, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more of a, a technical shooter. So I'm, you know, thinking about exposure and, and more, um, I guess more systematically around elements of design and that sort of thing. Like I'm not really, at least I don't feel like I'm really putting a big enough emotional connection into it. So, you know, I think both, both Jamie and Alex have kind of, you've inspired me to sort of like kind of get in touch with, with that. And I, I, you know, just to kind of just shoot from the hip and, and, uh, and just, sort of let the energy flow and see what comes out at the other end. So do you, do you find that, like, do you find that you enter like sort of a flow state as opposed to more of an outcome driven state? I, I mean, I think it's both. So like, it's, it's funny that you say flow state um, running for, for me, um, I still run. I just don't race or do things like I used to do in, in, you know, some of my younger years. Um, it was always about that flow state. And, and at times you would be in that state for, you know, sort of the runner's high, um, which, which to me is more like the best thing I can describe it as is when you hear people talk about surfing and, and that the stoke, um, that to me is, is the essence of, of a runner's high. And sometimes it lasts for a second and sometimes it lasts for a minute that rarely lasts much longer. Um, with, the creative process, like, I think there's definitely an element of that. I mean, I can, to, to the detriment of my family can go into my dark room and all of a sudden look up and it's, you know, eight hours later and I haven't really accomplished a heck of a lot, but, but I've been just immersed in, in the, um, trying to figure out a process or trying to, you know, make something of, of, a of a photo or something like that. And I think there's definitely an element of that. But at the same time, I think sometimes it's also chasing an outcome um, because you want it to look a certain way or you have this this um, image in your mind of what you want to create. And I'll, I'll say for me personally, um, the image of my, my mind's eye almost never is how it ends up. Um, I always think it's going to be better, different, and it, it almost never ends up that way. Um, but on occasion, I think um, Alex talked about this of creating that perfect piece. Like, I think you're always chasing that. Um, because if you, and I don't know what happens if you actually create it because I've never gotten close, but it's, it's like, well, what, what is it? You just stop. I don't know. It, it'll be sort of interesting, but I think that concept that you just talked about, which is flow state, I think, um, is definitely something that that's, um, that's an interesting part of our, my creative process for sure. That is really, really cool. And, and opening. Well, I knew I learned something today. <laughs> so Ted, no pressure, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jamie, if we wanted to see some of your really, really interesting work, how would we do that? So, uh, on Instagram, I'm JS Marcellus photo, all one word. Um, I also have a website, JS Marcellus photo.com. Um, I think I'm on Flickr as JS Marcellus. Maybe, I don't know. You could probably just search my name. Um, maybe you'll come up with something. Um, and then I, I do post on occasion to some of our, some of our common photography groups that, 
um, listeners are probably a part of, whether that's Toronto Film Shooters or Negative Positives or um, some of the other things on Facebook. I've been less so lately, but uh, but you can you can find some stuff there. Excellent. Very Reach out. Great. I'm always uh, happy to share my failures and and what's what's been uh, you know what I found has been um, a way that can work something. So uh, I'd love to help out. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. And next up, we have all the way from the UK, Mr. Ted Smith. Now, Ted, you have recently um, made the journey or, or um, not recently, but had some definitely some recent successes in making the journey from amateur to professional. Um, so share with us what your what your journey has been like <clears throat> so far. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. And, uh, and, and thanks again for, for having me on. I, I, I'm a little bit uh, worried now that I'm the last one to have gone <laughs> because the first two are uh, obviously very, um, uh, I guess, uh, proper artists in speech marks, I guess you could call it. Um, whereas uh, I, I just kind of like taking photographs and sometimes they, they look really good, but I don't take them with the same kind of um, kind of creative meaning, I guess. Uh, uh, but um, so I've been taking photos for a long time so um uh, and i i've always kind of generally always used film so um i don't i don't consider myself as such as a film photographer um uh, just because to me it's just kind of the way i do it um i did flirt with digital around 2007 2008 for a little bit um uh, I've, I've got obviously no issue with digital as uh, and pretty much hardly anyone ever does do they in these in these groups I think the whole kind of film versus digital thing is uh, not really a thing anymore um, it's just that for me I often see certain things and certain scenes and think oh that look amazing on Velvia or that look amazing on Portra and it's just kind of how my eyes work um, uh, it's not to say that I, I couldn't get a similar look with, with a digital workflow it's just not not what I enjoy to do so um so I've been taking photographs since I was a kid which was the, the late 80s um I started with an Olympus OM10 which I've still got and still use um and then I eventually moved up to the the Nikon lines uh settling on Nikon F5 and then I went medium format in 2012 uh with with Hasselblad um I always wanted a house blood ever since I was a kid, but you know, uh, I could never could never afford one in the uh, in the film days. And then, thanks to the digital movement, uh, they became a bit more affordable. So I was able to get one in 2012, um, uh, and I'd like to get some more, but they're uh, they're now even more expensive than what they were in 2012, which is uh, a little bit upsetting. But um, uh, so I do all kinds of photography really um which is part of one of my problems on the commercial side which uh i'll maybe come to in in a little while because everyone talks about niching down don't they and you've got to have a niche in order to be successful in business blah 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 but the problem i have is that um when i get time to do landscape photography i love that i love getting out and about um i was in london recently with um uh with some other work i was doing um so i have this project that I call the London project or London by night um, because whenever I'm down in London if I get a chance to spend some time in the evening I'll go out with the with the Hasselblad usually and balance it on embankment edges and things and and try and do some some night photography um, so that is 
purely a, a fun project, which I which I like. Um, I obviously like photographing people. Um, uh, more recently, I've become quite interested in trying to do studio um, portraiture because uh, we had some major work done to the house a little while ago. This room I'm in at the moment, which you guys can obviously see, but the listeners won't be able to. Uh, but this room was uh, kind of built as part of that. But downstairs, there's a space where I can do studio work. So I have all my lights and things like that. So I can set it all up and then collapse it all down again. Um, uh, so it's kind of, uh, you know, mother, mother and baby type stuff is what I quite like to do. I would like to do more dog photography as well because um, I'm fairly proficient at photographing dogs because I've had dogs for years and years. But um, again, I, do, I don't just want to do dogs. Um, uh, and I, I think with a lot of this, a lot of these things from a commercial point of view, there's limited demand in some areas and it largely pinges on your ability to market to certain audiences uh, is what I seem to be learning anyway. But um, so I tend to do all sorts. Uh, and weddings, of course, is the big one, which I know we were talking a little bit about at the start uh, before the recording. So um, I've done a number of weddings um, over the last 10 years or so. And that's somewhere that in some ways I'd, I'd like to go. And I know uh, James and I have spoken about this a couple of years ago. Um, it's kind of a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Weddings, there's, in some ways they can be good fun and very rewarding to do and in some cases quite profitable but they're very very stressful and um i i find them very ang anxiety inducing <laughs> especially when you're doing it on film with the house of blood it can be a little bit like oh i'm down to frame 10 <laughs> and they're just about to walk out or something like that you have to plan everything so carefully um uh, with with weddings but i'm actually doing one uh, in a couple of months time which I'm quite excited about. Um, a really nice venue as well. So uh, I've just bought all the film for that, which was uh, rather expensive as well. The cost of film is uh, alarming, isn't it? Um, uh, so yeah, so on the, uh, onto the kind of the, the commercial side, which you alluded to at the start, uh, James. So I've been, I kind of registered myself, if you like, um, here in the UK as a self-employed photographer back in 2007, because that was when I sold my first print. And I was like, I'm making money now. I need to, I need to uh, do everything properly, you know? Uh, and I kind of thought that was going to be my upward trajectory, but it's, it's been um, a little bit wavy on the way. So I have these peaks and troughs where sometimes people will ask for me to do stuff. Um, and then I have periods where it doesn't happen. And, I think at the moment there's uh, the, the, the kind of the, the cost implications are uh, a, a big distraction for a lot of potential clients. And I know it can be done because I, I know of a lot of successful photographers that, that still use film in all kinds of commercial settings. So whether it be studio portraiture, weddings, whatever it is, there are people that, that make it and, and do quite well out of it. Um, but finding that, um, that way into the market seems to be a bit a bit tricky because you you have this situation where in order to shoot a wedding on film you need by today's prices five six hundred pounds worth of film and then it's going to cost you another five or six hundred pounds to get it developed and digitized 
Um, so already you're looking at at least a thousand pounds, give or take, um, UK pounds I'm referring to, obviously. Um, and then when you slap your fee on top, which, uh, you know, we all have varying fees, but you become in the standards of many exponentially expensive and it, you have to be able to show and convince clients that you're worth paying that money for. And that's very difficult to do unless you've got an enormous catalog of work from previous work. And so then, then you have this chicken and egg situation of, you know, well, how many free shoots do you want to do for people for your portfolio who may or may not value what you do in the first place and who may or may not refer you. Um, and, you know, when you're in the digital world, you can turn up, sacrifice your your payment, but you can just click the click, and there's no uh, kind of financial immediate loss. Whereas with film, you know, if if I do a film a, a film shoot for someone, even if they cover my costs, those costs are going to be six, seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. So um, I, at the moment, I'm trying to market myself more towards the um, the kind of the, I guess the middle the middle market. So uh, I'm trying to avoid the, not trying to avoid the budget side of it, but the budget side of it just doesn't work because as soon as they ask for a price, they, they're going to walk away. And it's happened to me twice this year. Um, a, a couple of people I know that are either, um, you know, friends of friends, that kind of thing, where they've seen me at other weddings, they've contacted me and and asked for, uh, you know, a rough idea of costs. And uh, as soon as I've even applied mates rates, you know, they're like, no, it's too expensive, mate. <laughs> because you can get hire someone for 500 quid down the road so um yeah it's a tricky one it's a tricky one the the studio side of it is where i'd really like to go because that's um more convenient uh, i did this mother and baby shoot recently um for a friend of a friend she's uh, got a baby that's a few months old and um it was really successful i really enjoyed doing it um the results were uh, yeah, i was really happy with them so was she um and but the stress levels were totally different it's like she turns up knocks on my door hello uh i had my wife with me who i've nicknamed my creative director because she seems to have a better knack of <laughs> of kind of positioning just little things you know like hair details and things like that um she seems to have a better knack for that kind of thing so in part i give her credit for the um result of those shots um but yeah the lady turns up we had fun for an hour with with her little baby um and then they go and then i developed all the black and white stuff myself i sent the color stuff off to the lab three three days later she had her pictures um she was over the moon by them um and then i made like a studio sample um i use a company called folio albums that are a uk album creator here in um here in the uk and they 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 make these really nice albums for for uh, for professional photographers so you have to be a photographer to register with them they're not available to uh, the average person on the street um but they make really nice nice work and you can get this studio sample at a, a bit of a discount so you can show potential clients you know this is what what you could get if you have an album which seems a little bit old-fashioned these days but i'm i'm i guess i'm a little bit old-fashioned as a photographer anyway but i really hate beyond measure this idea that you know you have these photographs taken you give them to the client on either a, 
just a website link or just a USB drive and that's it. Um, because they obviously then put it on their social media and after a week it slides down the timeline and it's gone and forgotten. Mm-hmm. To me it's, uh, and I know uh, this will definitely resonate with all of you guys, the print is, is so much more important, um, both for them as the client and you as the photographer, it's the best, represent- best representation of your work. Um, but it's again, it's, it's sometimes difficult to convince people that they should have a print, e- even if you try and factor in the cost of producing one in with your kind of overall bundle. Um, so it doesn't feel like they're having to pay separ- pay separately. It's still uh, quite difficult to to get it to them. But I know as well as everyone else that if you've got if you've got a client who's got on display in their house a twelve inch, twenty inch photograph everyone who visits that house is going to say, oh, that's a lovely photograph. And if they want photography doing, they're going to ask who took that. <laughs> um, so in many ways, I think that's a more successful way of, of advertising your work than social media and things like that, which is just a horribly shallow shallow place. But for half a pinch, I'd get rid of Instagram and all of it. Um, it's just that these days, you know, people sometimes send me messages through that medium. And uh, I've got my website, which to me is my main source of the truth if you like um but this hamster wheel of got a post on instagram it, sadly it's one of the first things i think of though you know when i take a really nice photograph i think oh i need to get that on instagram and then i put it on instagram and then it gets three likes and i, and I go oh it's, it's like it's 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 just such a bad way of <laughs> trying to get critique for your work or an endorsement of it so, yeah, yeah it's uh it's ironic isn't it that um you know we are all uh fans of a very tangible analog medium and as soon as we have output we digitize it and don't print it and you know put it out there for it to vanish off the time off people's timelines in about the next uh, you know 30 seconds uh and yeah i am guilty of it as well too i will post before i print and um yeah, the irony is not lost, and the, certainly the self-criticism is not lost either. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it's uh, uh, I, I used to teach uh, wedding photography um, uh, a few years back, uh, and certainly the business of you know becoming a professional photographer is something that I, I taught as well. And uh, it is it is a tough game, you know, to get started. Uh, it it's. The hardest part, I think, about selling your work is you yourself coming to terms as to what the value is to you. Uh, And, you know, for some people, it's not a monetary value. Some people, it's truly an artistic purpose and they want to just, they want to do it. It's an expression of themselves and their, the culmination of their experiences up until the point that they produce that piece. And maybe they want to produce subsequent pieces to um, symbolize that journey uh, or to manifest it in a physical way. Uh, and for others, it's it's financial, right? Like it's it's a business proposition and there's absolutely nothing wrong, I think, with either, uh, either approach. Uh, but ultimately, I think what it boils down to is, is targeting the market that is going to be mutually beneficial for you either as an artist or a, or a business person and the recipient uh, of that work, right? Uh, you know, if you, if you constantly, uh, from a business standpoint, chase people that can't afford your work, you'll, you'll price yourself up. You'll just never develop the market share that you want. You're always going to get 
the tire kickers, the person, you know, the people looking for the friends and family discount and that sort of thing. And with film, it's particularly hard because you as the artist have to make that investment before the client does, right? And it's like, oh, I, mean, I guess it's like anything, um, you know, on any business, it's the business person that that has to make the investment and then kind of roll the dice and say, if I'm going to put this out in the marketplace, you know, or I'm going to put this piece out at a gallery or whatever it is, you're not, you know, I mean, I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, you are not going to know what the reaction is going to be. Certainly you're going to have some hopes around what that reaction is going to be. Sometimes they'll align, the reaction will align with your hopes. And sometimes it really kicks you, you know, where it hurts. Um, but, uh, you know, my recommendation to you, Ted, is really, you know, focus on your on, on the market that you're chasing only market to clients that can afford what you're doing. Um, and if you need to shoot some digital while you, you know, take some digital jobs, because at the end of the day, shooting digital or shooting analog, it's still your photography skills. It's still your artistic ability that you're putting on display, what medium you choose you know, is kind of secondary to the point, I think. Um, but the other benefit of that as well is you can show a client, this is a digital image. This is the same event or whatever. And, you know, there's a very similar image and this is it done on film. This is it done on black and white. Here's a digital print. Here is a black and white archived darkroom print. Uh, you know, here's what a digital album looks like. Here's what a film uh, album looks like. And then you can show them the difference and then be able to articulate your value proposition in some say, if you want film, you want this feel, well, here's the process. Like, I think we, you know, as artists need to share more of the struggles and the process that we go through to create something, uh, because that is where the, a lot of the value comes from. You know, the, the recipient or the purchaser of that, they're, you know, not going through that process they're looking at it you know well i guess a, a lot of them are looking at it from a dollars and cents perspective you know rather than taking into account the journey that it took to get there you know and the work that you're doing so you know don't sell yourself short don't don't chase after somebody that's never going to see the value in what you're doing you know what i mean yeah i do yeah and um yeah, interesting on the creative uh, journey point. One of the uh, I can't remember if it was a reel or uh, or just a normal video that I put onto social media, but um, the mother and baby shoot that I was just referring to, I um, I took sequences of little short videos of the whole process of that pretty much from start to end. So I got my wife to take a couple while we were photographing to show the studio setup and all the rest of it. Then I took a few small videos showing the development of the black and white and all the, I had four 120 reels in one big tank, you know, so I sh showed the the inversions and the, and things like that and the film coming out, then the hanging up of the negatives and then the subsequent prints and then the studio album at the end. So uh, to try and um, sell for anyone that, that sees it, I guess, this kind of this is the end-to-end -end process of a classic studio collection which is how i'm kind of labeling it um so it's certainly something useful to have to show someone um but i think the difficulty is always going to be the um, kind of convincing strangers on the internet <laughs> um uh, of, of, of what you can do or how you can do it 
um i keep kind of thinking to myself you know that before the internet before social media there were massively successful photographers in pretty much every town and city across the world um how did they do it well it's just word of mouth essentially isn't it um in in the vast majority of cases granted you know traditional studios usually have a sign or a banner or something so you know it's a studio um which is advertising in itself but apart from that it was more often than not word of mouth um but again therein lies the problem in that word of mouth is great but you need more than one or two or three people a year to to be spreading that word for you you need that 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 throughput now don't get me wrong I, i'm not interested in being uh, you know a full-time professional photographer that's doing stuff every weekend because i've got a family i've got a regular day job uh, which uh, you know which helps uh, helps pay the bills and all the rest of it um and photography side of it for me is just uh, uh, to be able to make some out of it commercially is is not like a greed thing it's not that i want loads of money for being a photographer it's just the an extra few hundred pounds a month would be helpful um and when you've got a skill or a skill set and and all the equipment to do it um it seems like a, a a fairly sensible thing to try and do but i've been trying now for a few years and it's starting to get a bit tiring <laughs> but i'll keep going because if you quit if you quit then it's all for nothing isn't it so that is very true it is um it, it's it's a tough business to get started in and you know i i shot i've shot gosh i don't know uh probably over 500 weddings um and a whole whack of portrait and commercial shoots and things like that in, in my uh in my younger days and uh it can burn you out i mean it's certainly um it, it for me personally it took the joy out of photography for me um and uh that's why i don't do it anymore i had to make that choice you know uh and i did it while working full-time as well like i you know i had a full-time job in it i had a you know pretty busy life and uh i was doing a lot of volunteer work and then uh, then we had a kid so that you know that <laughs> on top of all that um i think the year my son was born i think i shot 64 weddings or something like that that year so my wife was not too happy wow. with that first year <laughs> um yeah i'm surprised she didn't um uh you know kick me out the door and change the locks but um you know uh i just say i just tell her she couldn't do any better and that didn't help uh so i'm <laughs> just kidding i didn't i didn't say that i promise um but uh yeah, it, it, it's hard. And, you know, I think uh, my, my advice for anyone, you know, contemplating the professional route, if you're going to go down the wedding route, it, it, it is a tough business and it can really, really burn you out. Um, and it's certainly not for everyone. Um, you know, you need a lot of practice at it. You need to be the type of, I think, extroverted personality that can take control in, in chaotic situations and not be afraid to kind of rub a few people the wrong way to get the job done. Um, especially, um, and I've noticed that it's gotten worse. I don't know if you've seen a similar trend, uh, any of you, um, but Ted in particular, like um, if I look at sort of the personality traits of shooting weddings 20 years ago, versus what i what i saw you know the last few times towards you know when i kind of hung up the wedding uh wedding gear uh there is just a lot more uh like demanding personality types at weddings like you know like just the nonsense with the with the cell phones during the ceremony and it's like you know these are these people are you know 
taking these photos at someone else's wedding that they were invited to to witness not to post a crappy video on instagram to hey i was at so-and-so's wedding and you know that sort of thing like it's just it's such a strange um you know from a societal and sociological perspective like it's just so strange the way things have turned out because of social media you know it's uh I don't know. Uh, and I guess it's it kind of it's refreshing to talk to uh, a few photographers and artists that are like doing things still like or, or coming back or, or, you know, focusing on the more tangible aspects of artwork, you know, whether or not it's printing, ceramics, alternative processing. Um, what is it more? Is it Morden Saj? Is that what it's called? Did I get that right? that's really cool i need to i need to check that out that that's uh i saw your post about that and i was like oh yeah that looks really neat i gotta i gotta look at that so yeah you, you so want to, it's 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 awful is, is it is it <laughs> no it's maddening yeah <laughs> yeah oh great well i mean hey so so can film photography at, at times as well too right well you know it's like no i shouldn't have put it in the fixer first Oh, I hate doing that. <laughs> oh, look, they're all blank. Isn't that nice? Well, yeah. that that's great. And that's the other risk, of course. You know, if you're shooting film professionally, it's like you screw up, man. Like there's, you know, like you can you can have a digital card go haywire on you, and some some nerd out there can fix it for you. But man, you screw up a roll of negatives. Well, yeah, it's it's done. Like you know, yeah, the the the. the, the the doing weddings on film is is majorly anxiety juicing i've got to say it's um uh, that's why i would never want to do i would never want to get in a position where i'm doing like you know 10 11 12 of them a year because i i wouldn't be able to live with the stress i mean just getting the film to the lab is uh you know a stress in itself i i uh i sent some film for some other like studio thing i did a little while ago it wasn't a massively important thing it was important to me but it wasn't important to the um to the person i was doing it for particularly it was just a bit of fun really but i sent that film off um and it took a week to get to the lab but usually it's usually there the next day and it took a week because there was all royal mail strikes going on here and and things like that and it was the usual christmas or post christmas carnage that uh, is caused and and just that was enough of a worry this wedding I'm doing in May um, is quite a big, quite a big deal, and I'm actually thinking of driving the film down to the lab myself. Uh, it's about a two-hour drive, which um, probably by your guys' standards in, in Canada and stuff is nothing. But <laughs> in the UK, having to drive two hours to get somewhere is, is uh, seems like a relatively big ordeal. Um, but yeah, I might do it just to give the peace of mind of, of knowing that it's got there safely and um, uh, and all of that. Because yeah, there's no there's no going back. You have to do what uh, what makes you sleep better at night. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I get that. And, you know, it's interesting. It's like, um, you know, I hear a lot of the discussion around and you brought up some of the points as well. And they're definitely valid points is that, you know, you think about, you know, how many shots have you got left in the camera? Where are you, you know, in, in the ceremony? And and those were things that kind of came naturally when I was shooting weddings Um you know, before the digital world, like back in the late nineties and, and early two thousands is you didn't have to worry about that because we weren't, we weren't gifted with the magical spray and pray that the digital world brought on, uh, where you, you know, you, that, that thinking ahead, 
that understanding the process of the events uh, in, you know, either it's, if it's a wedding or a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah or, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you wanted to see a plan as the photographer. Okay, what's happening when, what are the special events, blah, blah, blah. Because you had to play this all out. You, know, you had to do all that pre-planning to make sure, you know, camera bodies were ready, backs were filled, whatever ISO you needed for whatever part was already loaded. Digital took that away took that took that burden away and um i don't know is that a good thing or a bad thing you know time will tell but well interestingly that i've got if we've got time i've got a little story on exactly that point um one of the earlier weddings that i did uh when i i, I was gonna like this is all gonna be done on my Hasselblad. i'm not messing about with multiple uh you know f5s and things like that and um but it, i think it was only my third wedding that i'd actually done and I hadn't yet quite evolved the um, the whole strategy and and making sure I knew exactly what was going to go along the timeline. And it was an, a destination wedding in Italy, um, uh, very glamorous affair. And uh, I'd asked the question fairly casually before the wedding of, you know, what's the ceremony timeline? Like, where is it? What time is it? Um, and how many bridesmaids do you have? And she said, I think she, I think she said six bridesmaids. So I had all this information in my head and I'd assumed that the six bridesmaids were going to come out all at once or in relative quick succession, followed by the bride. Um, I looked on the Hasselblad and it said something like frame six or something. I thought that should be enough to capture the, these this next short sequence of shots. What I didn't know is that the bridesmaids were going to come out in pairs. So every two bridesmaids, one shot, two bridesmaids, another shot, two bridesmaids, another shot. And so by the time the bridesmaids had all come out, I was up to frame 12. So I was absolutely, I was absolutely snookered. Um, fortunately for me, I did bring my Nikon F5 with me, but it was in the bag uh, and it wasn't too far away. So I was able to at least scurry and grab the F5 and and get some shots off of her. Um, and I don't think she ever noticed the difference to be, to be fair. So it was, it was quite fortunate, but, um, but that was a like really big learning point for me. Like I need to know every detail in very specific order, uh, uh, but equally that's part of what I think should merit the, the value side of it, both in terms of the finance and the finished product. Um, because as you say, James, um, not everyone needs to think about that when they're doing weddings and so if 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 someone were to want me to photograph their wedding that's part of what goes into it so there's a lot of research and a lot of planning beforehand absolutely you know my my advice to you is uh save the medium format shots for the couple uh your formal portraits and um the ceremony itself the pr processional and recessional crowd shots reception shots, um, all of that can be handled by 135. Don't kill yourself. Um, you know, Mac, unless you're, you know, you know, shooting 645, you've got 16 shots in the bag. Square, you've got 12 shots in the bag. Uh, you're going to need to take more than 12 shots during that time. So, you know, have a, have a fresh 36 exposure sitting in your 135 and you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, I, I do now at least have three backs as well. So now I make sure they're all loaded and I can just clip yeah, them off. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but but your advice is good advice, nevertheless. Yeah, thank you. That's that's why we invented the uh, 36 exposure film canister for sure.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent, Ted. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. So it was really cool to um, you know to have uh, very art artistic and commercial uh, like functional perspectives on your on photographic and artistic journeys today. So, Ted, if we wanted to see some of your work, how would we do that? Um. Well, the best place, in my opinion, is tedsmithphotography.co.uk, which is my actual website. Um, uh, if you wanted to go to Instagram, it's tedsmith underscore photography. The underscore is important because on Facebook, it's tedsmithphotography, all one word, without the underscore, because someone else on Instagram seemed to have got the tedsmithphotography without the underscore. So I, I now have got an inconsistency there, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, tedsmithphotography.co.uk is the main website and you can get to all the other stuff from there. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably one of the 10 million Ted Smiths that live in the uh, in the UK. Smith is is not the most uh, the most unknown name, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, guys. Um, before we uh, get to the ending here, any uh, Jess, do you have any questions or anybody want to add anything else? Well, all I can say is after listening to you and Ted talk about doing weddings, I fully understand why I shoot trees in the woods because <laughs> they don't talk back. And aside from dealing with like a chatty squirrel or some chickadees or something, I I'm pretty much all by myself. And I think I'm going to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trees and mountains are, uh, are not full of emotion and anxiety all rolled into one day. Not no, to mention actually, writing a whole bunch of checks. Yeah, exactly. And they're actually a really good place to get rid of all of that stress and anxiety that uh, regular life tends to bring in. So that's why it's my happy place. <laughs> Excellent. I wanted to jump in and say there was a few comments that, you know, Jamie and, and Ted had made that triggered a, a rather passionate point of mine that I'd like to drive across. Um, Jamie, you saying that you're an amateur and, and Ted, when you said, you know, you're not maybe a conceptual artist, but you just, you like taking photos. And I'm really big into etymology and the root of amateur is amar, which is Latin for to love. And I think that is something really beautiful and powerful to keep in mind that amateur is a beautiful word. Um, I think being in a capitalist society, it's so quick to just dismiss that as, oh, I'm just an amateur. No, like you're an amateur, you're a lover of this medium this this art this storytelling and i think that's something really powerful to keep in mind that you know art is storytelling and, and tradition and yeah just to keep following your heart and doing what you love very well said couldn't agree more yeah thank you alex that's nice of you to say yeah you're right <laughs> absolutely all right. Well, I guess we've come to the point where um, it's time for the traditional uh, CCR ridiculous comment at the end. So um, I don't know who wants to go first, but. Uh... Well, I'll take everyone off. I'll, I'll start go. it. Usually I follow James and I'm giggling too hard to come up with anything good. Um, <laughs> I don't actually have anything really great other than. I'm Jess Hobbs, and whatever it is that inspires you to get out into the world and to create and to share your vision with everyone else, do it and be kind to each other. I guess I'll jump in. Um, I'm Alex Yar, and just want to remind you all to follow your heart. I'm Jamie Marcellus. I destroy emotions. <laughs> uh, I'm Ted Smith, and I suffer with anxiety through wedding photography. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Avoid it at all costs. Keep to the trees. <laughs> Stick to the trees. Uh, <laughs> all right, this is James Lee. I want to thank uh, all of our guests today for sharing your stories. Uh, it's, we're truly honored, and uh, I hope the listeners are as well, uh, listening to your journeys. And no matter where you are uh, in your in your own personal journey out there, uh, art should be something that liberates you. Get out there and do something that sets you free. 